Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. I believe we're at uh, episode 132. Sounds right to me. Boy, that's a lot of digressions. Uh, Steve is, is out with, I believe, his family. So he's... Uh, He's on assignment, we'll say. So, hope he's having fun. He'll be back uh, next week. So it's uh, just Miles and I. Hi, Miles is here. Yep. So uh, early bet. Is this could be longer or shorter than usual. Uh, well, so our last one with Steve was that like around the two hour mark. Yeah, I think which was a longer one for Steve than I. Than us. I think we can hit three. I mean, Strap in, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. Bo is afraid is two fifty nine. And I got to be a minute longer. There you go. There you we'll, go. We'll, we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk about Bo is Afraid in a little bit. Because uh, mm, never going to unsee that movie. And we'll talk more about it in two episodes, I believe. Uh, yeah, has, once uh, I have a chance. I'm Listen. Yeah. <laughs> the rea- the reactions earlier, are quite would. divisive, so I'm very excited. Yes. Um, we'll talk about Bo. We'll talk about Renfield, which you're going to see this weekend, I guess. Uh, at some point, yeah. Yeah. So that'll be for the next episode. We'll double back on uh, Mario and, uh, and Air and some other things that we have seen in the meantime. So good stuff. Let's, uh, let's start with a question, though. Um, and then we'll get into one of those movies. So it's uh, Ryan McDermott, Film Hawk Face-Off, Jack Black Films. Ooh. Takes us right into our, our first movie. Uh, King Kong or Kung Fu Panda? Hmm. I mean, Kung Fu Panda's great. Like, I've gone back to it. It totally holds up. It's a lot of fun, and I think he's so perfectly suited to it. Um, I think King Kong, his version is pretty underrated, but it does have a lot of flab to it. So, even though I like that one more than most, I think I will still go Kung Fu Panda. I also like King Kong more than more than most. Part of it is, you know, I have a strange take on the Peter Jackson uh, oeuvre. If we're being, uh, I guess I have to be uh, generous there and be like, I do like most of his things. Just a couple of movies I don't like of his are the ones that everyone else loves. But I do like King Kong a lot. It is an interesting one, though, because it is flabby, like you said. And it is sort of like, you can do anything, Peter. And and his anything? Was, I, <laughs> everything. I, mean, I want to I do everything with King Kong, a movie... I don't need to make by any stretch, but I, I remember being very into it. In yeah. The it's like, like, it's it, like, there's so much to it and pacing wise, it absolutely falls apart, but the individual scenes are well done and are enjoyable. Like, I think it's just, there's so much that by the end you can't help, but be checked out even though it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I remember early on, right before it was coming out, there was that like Titanic ish kind of like, is it going to be an Oscar nominee? Like in King Kong win best picture. Well, and he just won for return of the King. So not unreasonable. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, it's good. I think it's very good, but yeah, there's no way like voters are taking this movie seriously. No, it's not that kind of movie. No. Um, and, and Kung Fu Panda is fine. I, I, I don't think I've seen it more than once, so I have seen King Kong more than once. I think I might have even seen this. There, there's got to be an extended edition, right? It's a Peter Jackson movie. Uh, it might be one of the few that doesn't from memory. No, he released the extended cut. 
Oh, well. I'm going to look that up right now. Um, I, I've seen it. I saw it on TV recently-ish. And, yeah, some of it better than other, other parts, but I still really enjoyed it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan. Canceled sequel and reboot. Can, do we really need to make more? Uh, but yeah, I, I I will go I will go King Kong. Next up, oh, and if we're talking about Jack Black, he's he's probably better in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, although I do like the Orson Welles thing he's doing in Kong. Yeah, he's having a good time. No one, no one's having like a bad time, but he's he's he knows the movie he's in. Yeah, very so much so. Some other people. Yeah, Tropic Thunder or Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. <sighs> Um, Tropic Thunder's good. I've never quite gone as far as feeling like it's great. I feel like Ben Stiller is horrifically miscast, and I know that he cast himself, so... But, um, I think Jack Black is good. Downey's obviously amazing. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in it. Um, uh... Welcome to the Jungle, I think, just holds together a bit better as a movie. Um, it's smart enough to be doing its own thing and not trying too hard to be Jumanji 2, so you can't really make that many comparisons because they're just different kinds of movies at the end of the day. And I sure. do genuinely think that Jack's Black, Jack Black's work in it is, like, one of the great comedic performances of all time. Jack's Blood is the uh, porn version of Jack Black, right? Jack's Blood is uh, the character after he loses his first life. Yeah, whoops. Uh, I will go Tropic Thunder, though. I like that one. I, I have not revisited it in some time. I do wonder, you, you were saying um, Ben Stiller being miscast. Is that maybe on purpose? Because yeah, but uh, it doesn't play because all the other actors playing actors he surrounded himself with do fit those characters. Jack Black isn't t that far off from the nutty professor type roles. Downey Jr. isn't that far off from being a method actor. Jay Baruchel, newcomer at the time, etc. Like, it's just everyone else kind of meta fits their character except Ben Stiller. Like, ironically, I think that would have been a great role for The Rock back when he was still more open to doing, like, comedic roles. Yeah. Or... I mean, he's already in the movie. He'd never do it, but like Tom Cruise. Mm, I could have seen it. Maybe. Or you could have had Robert Dan or Robert Downey Jr. could have been the lead and Tom Cruise could have been the method actor. As like, I'm the weird, like, wacko. He would never do it. It's too... But, it's but too Downey's not really an action guy either. I think that's my point is At the time, Stiller's yeah. character is known as like this Rambo, like Stallone kind of figure. But sure. not only has Stiller never really done that, he's not convincing in the movie as that. So it, it's like... It just kind of throws off the center and all the supporting players have to scramble to hold it together. Yeah, it's a different it's a different like commentary. He's the, you know, the spoiled actor who's you know not his character, even though everyone else is, like you said, to some degree, the character, you know, like you said, like we were both saying, the joke is he can't possibly like save the day. Yeah, but I, I think kind of is doing their thing. I think that works better in something like Zoolander, where like the sure. joke is that they're not actual male models, but it's the joke for everyone. Whereas I feel like yeah. in this one, it's one joke for him and a different joke for everybody else, and the two don't really mesh. There's a lot in that movie. I think it works in spite of some of that. Like I, like the Tom Cruise stuff is completely out of a different movie. Oh, totally. And it's fun in isolation, but it's also yeah. very much like we got Tom Cruise and we're going to just linger on him for way longer than is probably appropriate. 
Yeah. Which, but I, I, I mean, I, I go back to that. I loved him in it. Yeah, he's fun. But, like, do we need the get back dancing credit sequence? No. But that, that to me, is a little bit overplaying your hand. Sure. Um, the Holiday or Margot at the Wedding? I've seen neither. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Margo, I, I, I don't remember the holiday well enough besides knowing people like it as like, I think it's Nancy Myers. That's Margo right. is, is Margo is Noah Baumbach like before he found his like new groove and it's, it's like very caustic in a way that's, I guess it's Nicole Kidman and Jack Black and, oh, Jennifer Jason Lee when she was still in his movies. Like they're, they're, they're enjoying being awful people. Sure. And I, I. I actually, back when um, in the award circuit days, might even still been the Oscar Igloo days, it was a script I was sent to read. And I remember then, uh, at the time, owner Johnny Alba was like, I guess he thought it was a comedy. He's like, well, what's the funniest line in the movie that we can like put in the script review? And I was like, uh, it's not that mo- It's not that kind of movie. Like, I don't know. It's, I guess that scene there. I mean, you might have seen the trailer where like Jack Black is like, I don't know. I'm, you know, I punched him. And she's like, who did you punch? It's like a, hu- a bunch of people. They're not around because I punched them. Like that's like about as like jokey as the movie gets. The humor is like the cringe. It's like having like what's a quote from young adult. They they don't play as well in context. Well, in context. right, yeah. Like, it's it's not just a gag that works on its own. Sure. I mean, I I say uh, was it Kentaco Hut all the time when I see a you know two of the three. I'm like you're missing one. But it's not a gag. It's just like a funny little aside. So, Margo by default. Bernie or Apollo 10 and a half? Uh, I still need to see Apollo 10 and a half, but I really like Bernie and his performance in it is one of his best. Agreed. He's much better in Bernie. It's probably his best performance. Um, I do really like Apollo 10 and a half, so I'll, I'll split the difference since you haven't seen it yet. And finally, School of Rock or High Fidelity? I actually haven't seen High Fidelity either. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! That's homework for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, cir- so I'll circle to it. Um, but School of Rock, oh, Twenty Eight Days of Love. Yeah, well, that's my thoughts exactly. I think it wasn't streaming anywhere this year, but we'll try again next year. Yeah. Um, but that's it. School of Rock is like the movie that's tailor made for Jack Black. Like you couldn't ask for a better sort of breakout star vehicle. Um, yeah. And if you go back to it, a hundred percent holds up. He's so much fun, and just all the interactions with the kids. The music is actually like surprisingly infectious. Like uh, Joan Cusack giving a comedic tour de force as the stuck-up principal. Like just everything about it works. Ir- ironically, she's in High Fidelity as well. No, well, there you go. Well, I mean, she there was a there was a time where she was in a lot of John Cusack movies. Well, I remember like Gross Boy and Plank and stuff. She's great in Gross Boy and Plank as the secretary. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have a huge role in High Fidelity, but she has one pretty good scene where she gets to yell at him. Um, I think you're going to recognize a bunch of quotes also from High Fidelity when you're like, oh, oh, oh no, it's one of those movies that I know I've basically already seen it just by seeing all the different elements out of context. It's going to be an interesting like period piece because it's a it's a 99 movie, right? If you say so. I think. It might be from that like epic 99 year or maybe 2000. I'm going to look that up right now. I have 2000. So it was right at that time. Where that, that that sort of movie was still a big uh, a big player. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, one of my favorites, so definitely was my pick. Uh, but since we're talking about Jack Black, let's double back and talk about uh, Mario. Where you know last week I said I didn't love it. Uh, got some got some fun messages on social media since then from some some bros mainly who like seem to really like Mario. 
cool. Um, but uh, aside from that nonsense, the thing I one of the things I did like about it was I thought Jack Black kind of knew the assignment. Oh, yeah. Well, it almost feels like they've written Bowser around him a little bit. Um, yeah. Like w- one sense is that, you know, him composing love ballads to Peach was not in the script before he came on board. One of the few things that works. Oh, it's well, for it's, me, at least. it's probably my favorite part. <laughs> like, I, sure, I, don't, like, I don't think it's necessarily like going to be one of the best songs of the year or even have a chance of winning. But I still want it to get an original song nomination just so we can have him perform. Yeah, yeah, like it's not even per se like a good song. No, but it's it's, it's clearly just enjoyable. him. It's clearly just him like in the studio dicking around for a few minutes and like, like and okay. So to get into the movie as a whole, um, I liked it more than you did. Um, sure. I don't think it's any kind of masterpiece, but I also don't think it's any kind of dumpster fire. Which it, it's that classic movie where it's totally fine and acceptable for what it is, which of course means that people on the internet are going fucking crazy about it and losing their goddamn minds. Um, yep. on both sides of the equation, quite frankly, I think there's a lot of people getting on their high horse in both directions, and I think all of them are wrong. I think it's just a movie it's totally fine and quite frankly for a super mario brothers movie being made by illumination of all people this is absolutely on the high end of what we could have ever expected like there's no plot there's no characterization but also if we're being honest there's really rarely that in the games either like there's 10 times more here than you'll ever see in mario sunshine or odyssey or whatever um so you know it's it's highs and lows but for me you know, I grew up with the games. I was never, like, good at them. Like, I, you know, I think you made the uh, comparison last week of, like, watching somebody else play a video game. I've probably yeah. watched Mario gameplay far more than I've actually played it. So maybe that's... Oh, this is right up your alley. Well, kind of, yeah. Because, like, I'm just not coordinated enough to do, like, the triple jump and, like, be, like, ricocheting off walls and shit like that. I just fall down every time and get frustrated. And also my hand-eye coordination is for shit now. So, yeah, like, I'm never going to be good at those games. So, in many ways, this is the kind of vicarious experience I need. Um, But no, listen, they capture the world beautifully. I mean, say what you will about it being a lazy adaptation, but there's clearly a lot of love of that world and of all the little details and... It's Easter eggs, but not just in a, hey, look at this thing. It's it's stuff that fills the world out, and it's all ripped pretty much exactly from the game. Like, you can't make the argument that this isn't as direct a translation as is, like, reasonably possible. Sure. In the in the way that, like, the 90s one was... The opposite of that. We got the name. <laughs> yeah. But we have no confidence you'll watch a movie about any of the things you've played. Here, it's... we We know you actually just want... To watch the game, essentially. So, so I, I actually that- heard a very interesting story about that recently. Apparently, right. there was a deleted scene from the 93 movie where all of this happened. And then there was like a Japanese game developer who shows up near the end is like, oh, you know what? This would be a really good idea to put into a video game. And so the whole idea is this isn't an adaptation of the Mario Brothers. This is the event that inspired the game. And I feel like just that little piece of information would probably go a long way to explain just why it's so different. But because they cut Even it out, though, it's just, I mean, it, it doesn't make it a better movie, but it at least makes, explains it why sense. they, oh, no, well, of course it doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's so stupid. But like, in the context of this stupid, fantastical world, it at least makes it make more sense as a Mario adaptation, if nothing else. 
Sure. Or like, oh, this guy, this Super Mario guy. I got an idea for a game about him. We're just going to drop the dinosaurs. Yeah, and, and it might, that might have even been part of it. Who knows? Maybe. I got an idea. Let's just not have dinosaurs. You know, the single most profitable thing you could add to a movie. Well, and that was the thing. Object. Like, it, it was the same year as Jurassic Park. I'm sure that was in the back of their minds. Yoshi just looks like one of the raptors escaped. Oh, he literally looks like a Spielberg. leftover, like, special effect. Yeah. Yeah, Spielberg loaned it. He's like, oh, it's cute. You guys are making Mario. I like that game. Here, have one. Have a raptor yeah. on me. Um, Can we have the one of the good-looking ones? No. No, no, no. You got the one we don't need anymore. The uh, the things that work in the new one are the weirder moments, like the, the Bowser song. Yeah. Both of them. Well, the whole, um, the whole uh, Bowser being a total simp for Peach, which I've heard some game bros push back against. No, that is that character a thousand percent. And yeah, Jack Black is obviously the voice acting highlight because, yeah, like you said, he understands the assignment. He's clearly like thrilled to be there and like given it all he's got. And he's not just unlike some of the voice actors. It, it doesn't just sound like he's just being himself. He's clearly putting a lot of character into it. And you get to see both his like insecure side and his sort of you know like quick to anger uh sort of yeah, temperament. he has a take exactly he and has, I, he has and i think that's more than you only can say for the most of the characters unfortunately that is the problem no one else has a take they're either or just doing their own voice in one case just doing their own voice but then trying to mimic a character which whatever he's the least of the problems of uh, chris pratt um, yeah he's yeah. listen we all thought Chris Pratt would be the big problem. He's not. Not even close. It's you settle into He's it anonymous. really quickly. It's not yeah, it's not yeah, great I, work, but it doesn't take you out of I'll tell you who did take me out of the movie. Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen, exactly. He's like, the worst I, part of the movie. I genuinely don't know what he was doing or why they thought that would work for that character. Or I don't know what's going on there. That that Yeah, that Cranky Tom notoriously sounds like High-pitched Fred Armisen voice. Well, in fairness, most of these characters, this is the first time you're hearing any voice from them. Sure, but I don't think you imagined anything close to that. No, that's correct. I, th I think like, Seth Rogen works as Donkey Kong, and I do like the sort of back-and-forth rivalry he has with Mario. I think that's sure, kind of a fun dynamic. I, 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 I can, I'm, listen, they're going to make more of these. Yeah. Like, you can, you can bank on it. Like, Rogen should be back, Donkey Kong should continue. Like, there's maybe a Donkey Kong Country spinoff at some point. Well, he said he's open to the idea, and I think that's probably the most logical step for the first spinoff. Also, like, yeah, are you all are you open to paying me many millions of dollars to do this? Sure, I can do this. I don't have to do any kind of creative work. Like that's the thing. Like, Rogan spends a lot of plates. He he may be the most active stoner in history, but why would he not want to be like I can still produce six things and and write two things and and develop this other project and. I'll be in the it'll be in the studio and I'll be like, oh, Donkey Kong. Oh, no, totally. And that's like a, a week's worth of work, like spread out over a year tops. Like that's not. Yeah, it's not a big commitment for him, even if he's the lead. And if they're smart, they'll they'll get one of the old um, like Apatow guys together to be uh, Diddy. Oh, totally. Oh, well, is that Diddy voice? Well, that sounds like uh, Jay Baruchel setup for me. Or Michael Sarah. Or Michael Sarah. That could work. Uh, yeah, well, I think we made a better movie. Um, no, he's he's fine. He's doing his own voice. He, oh, he totally. Own, like, but like on Donkey Kong. No, no. But I think, you know, he's he's got this kind of like doofus arrogance to him. Both he and his Mario have daddy issues. I like that yeah. they got the original voice of Mario to play his dad. That's a good fit. Sure. Um, I mean, you could have just had him. Yeah. Did you? OK, I, I mentioned this 
in in last week uh, last week's episode, and I want to know what you say. How old is Mario? Canonically, he's twenty five. Visually, he's forty. And in this movie, he's twenty five, forty, and also like thirteen. Yeah, like it's, his bedroom. It's a, it's a little unclear. Well, also, he's like clearly the smallest man in Brooklyn. Like, even by the standards of like the weirdly proportioned people around him, he's a midget. Yeah, it was. That was that was the only strange in a bad way thing. Almost every other time they got weird, it was good. Yeah, it's the it's the very like run of the mill rest of it that was that was that because like you know Pratt's whatever. I, his like let's go when he tries to do the Mario voice, not as good. I but think it's fine. I think there's probably fine. there's too many moments where he gets hit by something and he does does one of the catchphrases in slow motion. That happens like too much slow motion three or four times, and then we it's don't a Zack it. Snyder movie. Uh, um, I, did, I mean, I noticed those moments, but not as much outside of it. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of him like jumping in slow motion that I didn't need. Um, you know, the Anna Taylor Joys of the world, Keegan Michael Key. They're all like whatever. They don't have a take. Oh, well, there's, I there's, thought Keegan Michael Key was fun. Actually, he kind of stood out for he me. Was, it was all right. Um, he, he gave Toad a little more personality than Toad usually gets, which is sure. none. I mean, Toad is usually exposition machine at best. Very low bar. Um, sure, but what but I that's do- what I'm talking about is like, yeah. there's no reason to have a high bar for this movie. I know there's people are going to say, oh, well, Puss in Boots prove, oh, Spider-Verse. Like, yes, there's a million uh, examples of a great animated movie for kids that's also not stupid. But that's my point. There's room for both. And it's not as sure. one-sided as I think people make it out to be. Like, no. in this day and age, this this movie is not going to ruin anyone. It's not pushing any kind of negative message or have any bad agenda or have any toxic people attached to it that we know about. It's it's a fun piece of fluff. Uh, you know, I was surrounded by kids at my screening. They loved it. I also had some Nintendo fans. I had a guy who fucking dressed up as Mario to go and he had a great time. Like, I think the target audience for this is kids and like diehard Nintendo fans. And they're the ones who are going to get the most out of it. Everyone else, no, it's not as great as most animated movies that like a Pixar or even DreamWorks would put out. But I guess for me, I was never expecting that. So I couldn't have been disappointed that it wasn't that. For me, it looks visually gorgeous. I love seeing all the stuff on screen. Like, I'm not usually a mark for nostalgia, but they like, I don't know, the way they incorporated it was just like, hey, it's nice to see that. Hey, it's nice to see that. Hey, it's the duck hunt thing, whatever. Um and I thought the there's a lot of like long take action sequences that I found really sort of cool to watch and really well put together. I love the uh, Mad Max on Rainbow Road sequence. Yeah, um, that was good. Went on went on a little long, but it was good. No, but I, and and like they even like they do like they incorporate stuff from the gameplay the into shells, it yeah. and the shells, or, or even stuff like how you can like jump ahead by like running off the side of the road to the lower level, things like that. Um, sure. So it's just, I think, I think there's a lot of attention been... to detail on that kind of stuff. And I think that was their priority here. The sequels, maybe they can tell a deeper story or flesh out the characters a little mm. bit. I don't no, know that they no, will. I don't know that they will, but they can. No, um, they're going to they're going to they're going to go to uh, they're going to do Mario Sunshine and Odyssey and, yeah. and Galaxy. They're going to get into that stuff. Oh, totally. Um, you know, we're uh, obviously the we're going to get in New Donk City at some point. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go to. um I mean, Yoshi is already primed to be a big part of the sequel. Which, yeah, Yoshi. Did you uh, did you appreciate the uh, the homage to Godzilla nineteen ninety nine? 
Yeah, right? Like, like, what an odd, like, shot-for-shot shot recreation of, like, one of the most famously, like, limp-dicked post-credit scenes in history. But wait, there's one more. Uh, yeah, like, it made, it was such a strange choice even for this. It's like... But also, so like, there is egg? a lot of... Like, why? There's a lot of 90s nostalgia peppered throughout, so I guess it's just yes. one of those things where it's like... They th- somebody somewhere was like, oh, we could do the Yoshi egg like the Godzilla egg, and as soon as somebody had that idea, it was like, oh, well, we have to do it exactly like that. And I, th- oh. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I thought it was kind of funny. No, there's the thing is, there's nothing wrong with most of it. I think just because they they showed in the trailers how effective the like recreation could be while still maybe telling a story. I think it inadvertently set expectations higher than it probably should have been. Yeah, I think no, we should have I- probably gone in hoping it's not awful, and then went, oh, it's. Because here's the thing. I, and, I hate everything else that Illumination has done. I fucking hate the minions. I hate Despicable Me, Grinch, all of it. So uh, when you when you hear so this is not yeah, well, and I had to in front of it because they're obviously in the logo and there's obviously like a fucking trailer showing all their films up until then. Like, it's, see, it, I, didn't, I didn't get the trailers, so I, I, I was spared. No, I, I, I had multiple minion exposures before the movie started, which is exactly what I didn't want, but knew I was going to get. Um, but yeah, no, from where I sit, this is absolutely on the high end of anything they've done. Mm-hmm. And that's not a high bar, but no. for what I was expecting from a lot, from an animated Mario movie from these guys, it absolutely clears it. And I think that's sure. enough. Also the score I think was genuinely great and like incorporated yeah, all the Brian old Tyler. Well, and they'd incorporated all the old like Koji Kondo themes like really organically and sort of made them feel sort of epic and cinematic. And yeah, I, th- I think that did a lot. It's just one of those things where it's nice to look at. There's like it's not especially funny at all. Like even for kids, I think most of the jokes are going to fall flat. But like I, it's not about it's not like the Lego movie where it's trying to do jokes a minute kind of thing. It's 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 got a different mission. And no, its, it's mission is to sell a ticket to a Mario movie and make you want to buy a game. And it does that. Yeah. It does it, it it's, well enough. It succeeds on the merits of what it's trying to do. And yes, it, it would be nice. It's ironic movie. Yeah. And if there was, you know, obviously we would all prefer a world where, yeah, there's a bit more depth. There's a bit more intrigue. There's a bit more whatever. But it is what it is. I can't get mad about it. It's a solid, like, you know, three out of five star kind of movie for me. Two and a half. But it's cool. Um... On the flip side, you also got to see air. I did get to see air. And all the things that was lacking in Mario is in abundance in air. Well, I'll tell you what immediately, because I watched them back to back, and I'll tell you what immediately struck me. Needle drops. No children in the audience? No. Needle drops. Yeah. Uh, Both movies have copious needle drops, but I think they're fascinating. The one thing that ironically that linked them is that one is a masterclass in how to use needle drops effectively, and one is Mario. Yes. Uh, Mario is Mario takes all the most popular voices. songs that you've seen in other movies and just like throws them in there haphazardly. And yep. none of them land and none of them work. And that is one of the weakest parts of the movie, I think, is because it completely takes you out of, you know, the score and the world that is otherwise being built when you're like, oh, why are we listening to AHA's take on me right now? Oh, what does Mr. Blue Sky have to do with anything? Like, it's 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 bizarre and distracting. But Air... They have no answer. But Air, great soundtrack, sets the tone, sets the period, keeps the propulsive momentum going. 
Um, it's fantastic. It's terrific filmmaking. It, I, I said on Twitter, I think it is my favorite of Ben Affleck's directing efforts, which not for nothing, because I also rewatched Argo shortly beforehand and liked it better the second time. Oh, yeah? Um, so I, I, I think I'd probably still go like Air Town Argo Gone Baby Gone. I haven't seen Live By Night. Um, but it's it, I mean, this is just it's my favorite kind of sports movie, one that's barely about sports. Um, yeah. uh, but it's about, you know, just well-written dialogue handled by actors who are having a blast and working at the top of their game directed with this kind of energy and propulsion that like it, it cause it doesn't sound like a cinematic premise on paper, but that's what great filmmaking can fill in the gaps for. And that's what, you know, Bennett Miller understood with Moneyball, And that's what Affleck understands here is that you can make, you know, these boardroom meetings and these backroom dealings like riveting if you've got like good actors and good material and yeah just every element of it works for sure um i I was on record about how much i liked it i'm glad you liked it as much as i did um yeah the the soundtrack's great considering how it's on the surface very on the nose oh yeah there's a world where it plays just as poorly as mario's does yeah and i mean part of it is you know they they go with all the obvious songs just because of that's what was on the radio, not because they're obvious in terms of what's been played in, in films, like you were saying earlier. But then they go the extra step of like, sure, Born in the USA, right? But then, which I'm thrilled it's there. But then you actually have Jason Bateman in one of the many Sorkin-ish uh, walk dogs being like, you know, I listened to that song again and I don't think it's like a patriotic ditty like everyone thinks it is. Like they're they're coming around to like – the point of view of the movie at the same time, like the characters are are sort of not aware they're in the movie, but they're, they're evolving before your eyes in a very interesting way. Yeah. Just with the, the Matt Damon, Viola Davis, like when she makes her, her ultimatum in the third act, mm-hmm. like immediately he, she becomes the hero. Yeah. And you're rooting for her after rooting for Damon, the whole movie. And you basically watch him and like Nike essentially be like, Oh, we're going to change. And that's that's kind of cool because it, it could be, like you said, awful. Could be also a movie about celebrating like billionaires. Well, oh, that was one thing I was a billionaire. That was one thing I was wor- really worried about going in is that it would be this sort of rah rah capitalism kind of thing, which there's no quicker way to turn me off of something. Yeah, like something like Wolf of Wall Street is fine because the point is that they're dumb idiots who are going to get caught. But like yeah. um, something like this where it's like, oh yeah, we did a business deal and we made a billion dollars. Like that, it, it could, but it never feels like that. It feels like. Like, Damon has a great monologue towards the end about how, like, it isn't really about him even. It's just about them wanting to touch his greatness because it's this once-in-a-lifetime thing. And it, it – I don't know. It, It's great because it clearly has a lot more on its mind than just the logistics of a business deal. It's really looking at it not with the benefit of hindsight in the sense of, sense of everything feels inevitable, but more just in the sense of, like, it understands the bigger ramifications of what this deal actually meant and how that rippled through history and how we're still feeling it today and how sponsorships and brand deals and all this kind of stuff. And beautifully tying in with the artist equity mission of uh, yep. Affleck and Damon's company. It's it's the coolest mission statement ever. I know it's it's so it's so easy to get behind. And the fact that it's doing well relative to its budget, I think, is a great sign, especially I for mean, a film that was going to go straight to streaming. It's not a uh, it's not a cheap movie. Keep that in mind. No, um, but again, 
it was made with the intention of going straight to streaming. So by that metric, sure. any money is good money. Exactly. The, you see, you see uh, numbers between like seventy and ninety million. Which you know, listen, soundtrack in that cast not cheap. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I'm sure, I'm sure when they made the deals, part of part of artist equity is also, you know, a, a big deal is getting that back end that you know Robert Richardson doesn't get back end. Now he's going to get back end. I'm sure he makes a you know pretty penny as a DP in general. Maybe one of the highest, if not the highest, paid, but. You know, part of it, I'm sure, is also making sure if you don't get your number, you get a good number. So Matt Damon, Ben Affleck times two. You know, I, I think people might sleep on, on Jason Bateman. Like, that dude's won some TV awards. He's probably not a cheap guy. Not at this point, you know? yeah. Plus, like, I think Game Night did did well, right? Yeah. Well, it's very so, fondly thought of. I don't know if it was a big exactly. box office hit, but it's one of those ones where it's done better in syndication. Well, he's... He's got the receipts to be like, I'm bankable. Yes. He just, he's just seen, he's more, I think he's more selective than people realize. Well, especially he doesn't now. Make, he, yeah, he doesn't have to. He can direct. He, even if he's not on the show, he's got the show. Like he's, he's having a, he's having a grand old time, right? Yeah. No, box office was 117 million for game night. So that definitely jumped his number up. There you go. You know, Chris Messina, Chris Messina, I'm sure can get, you know, bigger or smaller numbers. Not huge, but like Mindy Project, I'm sure made him his money to like not ever be hungry. Uh, by the way, interview with Chris Messina coming soon to the site. He was lovely. But I'm sure, you know, part of it being this company is he doesn't get screwed on like, oh, you're you're sixth on the call sheet. We can maybe skimp on you because we got to pay Damon. So all of that's pretty cool. And also just the point of the movie is if you, if you bet on talent, good things will happen because – you know, the the reason it's not rah-rah capitalism is, is if anything, it's it's a little bit of socialism with the whole like, oh, so Michael's going to get a piece of the action. And, and the better he does, the more he'll get. And, you know, obviously no one knew. It was like, oh, he's going to make billions of dollars off of this. Oh, yeah. He will become one of the richest humans, not just athletes. Is the fact that you you know what's going to happen and it's still exciting. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's because so many movies, you know, based on famous events can fall into that trap of, oh, it was always going to happen. Like right up until like they close the deal, it, it feels like this is such a long shot. And like, yeah, he's convincing people to come around to his way of thinking. But like it like anything could still go wrong. And even like in that in that amazing phone call with Viola Davis, um, where it's sort of he's right up to the line. He thinks he's got it, but then she has these conditions and then suddenly it's like, Oh, oh yeah, you're convinced they can't possibly happen. And now it, he, you can see it on his face and it feels like it's all coming crashing down around him. And, and it's just like, Oh wait, no, hold on. This is, this has gotten so far away from me so quickly. And like to be so close and so, so well. far, but then that exactly yeah. just reinforces. And I love that shot where um, he sort of comes out of the tape room and he's, and you just see him sort of looking around at everyone else in the office for the first time. And just that knowledge. Yeah. And Jason Bateman sort of alluded to that earlier of like, you know, don't be so cavalier and taking us all down with you because the entire department is on the line of this to go south. And that sort of yeah, spurs him to, uh, to sort of, you know, push that extra a bit further. Sure. Bateman has his great monologue about how about about the shoes with his daughter and how like mm-hmm. I would still buy the shoe like that's that's great. Christmas Cena is a highlight every time he and Damon get to like yell at each other. Oh, it's absolutely, fantastic. that's all. Damon great. doesn't yell so much as like Damon. Uh, Sonny Vaccaro is so amused when Christmas Cena is uh, with David Falk just starts cursing and screaming at him all the time because they're kind of friends. 
Like even even Falk even says like, you know, if this goes sideways, I will ruin you. And if this works out somehow, we're going to be best friends. Exactly. Well, that's that, that's like that, their relationship. Like this is purely transactional, but we enjoy it. Yeah. No, and, this is and, this is and, yeah, it's sparring. It's tennis almost. Yep. Affleck's great playing like the buffoon version of Phil Knight. Like that's a take I didn't expect, but I really like. Well, and I think I think that casting works well because it sets up a lot of back and forth with him and Damon and they are sort of able to play on sort of their implied metatextual screen history to really good effect. Yeah. And and he gets when he because the thing is, when he comes around at the end, it's very quick, but they've built it up as like. Throughout the movie, he's never shown any of the things that he's known for. Oh, you're a Buddhist. Oh, look at all the rules that you set for Nike of like, don't follow the rule. Very Apple-esque, right? Do things in a different way. But you're, you're, you're becoming risk adverse through everything. You're the one saying like, this won't work. We can't do this. So when he finally catches on like, oh, everyone's doing the thing I kind of like told them to do at this company, he makes the final call of like, yeah, fuck it. And it's, it's like so satisfying. Yeah, no, it, it really brings it all together at the end. Love seeing Chris Tucker. Can't wait to see him again in seven years or whenever he decides to do his next project. But, you know, whenever we get him, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, everyone in this movie is great. Yeah. C- can't recommend it enough. Yeah, Please. no, every, everything about it works. It's it's an A-plus dad movie. Like, dads are yep. going to love the shit out of this. It is It is maybe the best dad movie in several years. I don't, what's the last great dad movie? Probably like Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, and I and I didn't love it as much. Matt Damon, dad movie guy now. Oh, he's a big but you know what? He's the dad movie guy, and I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. I mean the Bourne movies are, are dad movies. Yeah, he real The Martian, I guess, is a dad movie. My oh, dad totally. It, so I, I don't know yeah, any dad, dad who doesn't movie, like right? The Martian, yeah. I don't know almost anyone who doesn't like The Martian. Well, that true movie, that, but like, yeah. That movie's a that I, I I think we can say it's a modern classic now. Like that movie will play fifty years from now. Totally, totally. Oh no, I I, I don't. I think I rewatched it on a plane uh, uh, when I was in England over um, uh, Christmas, and yeah, absolutely still holds up. Yeah, that oh, also great. Um, should we go on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, or should we we make our way there slowly? Well, I, I know where the spectrum is. What what would in, entail if we go slowly? Renfield. Oh, yeah. Talk about, about Renfield. Okay. So Renfield was part of my uh, my three movie day earlier this week where I'll be able to talk about one other movie. Um, the other is still embargoed. Miles knows what it is. It's not like. Yeah, I was I was surprised important. to not see um, your take on it. I didn't realize it was still. Embargoed. Yeah, they, they asked uh, us to wait until next week i want to say it's a it's a strange choice but whatever um I, without saying what it is yeah, well i know what it is so yeah so you'll know um i enjoyed it it's fine it's solid it's not um spectacular in any way it's it's good work though it's good work good work all around while being not unnecessary but like i'm a little puzzled why they made the movie why both of the names that you're curious about made the movie hmm like they've the the filmmaker does a good job, but also like nothing, maybe this is why, but like nothing about what they've done previously makes you think they would want to make this movie, you know, like style wise. Yeah. And, and the actor has put on this particular uniform more than once before. Yeah. But it's, it's well done. It's, it's a, it's a smaller movie than you might expect, but like they're clearly, you know, putting the money into it to like do the best version possible of it. So 
Also, it was a solid hour shorter than the first movie I saw that day, so kudos. <laughs> um, but I can talk about Renfield. Review is up on the site. Movie is probably out as you guys are listening to this, right? Probably, probably uh, just about, yeah. Uh, I wish I liked it more. Oh, I like I like Nicolas Cage's Dracula as much, if not more, than anyone else. He is a riot. He is sucking this movie dry. It's great. He is having a delight. I don't think I, I feel like they didn't show him the rest of the movie though. Because he is he's doing a thing and it's great. And and anything involving him is very good in the movie. There's a lot of like flashback stuff. They they homage like old school Dracula movies, you know, with, with the Renfield kind of coming under his spell. Sure. They put they put both of them in those scenes and that's a hoot. But and, and the, the sort of like Renfield self-actualization going to support group stuff is solid. There isn't a lot more to it than what the trailers have. Not that I think you necessarily expected it to go like super in-depth. But it's it's sort of what you see there, which is fine. But there's a whole other plot thread of Aquafina's like police officer trying to take down this crime family that Renfield's involved with. And it sucks. Mm. No pun intended. So like it felt like a placeholder. Like, Miles, you may, I don't know if you've ever done this in your writing, but you, you have the idea for something and you have one section of it that you know you want to do, but it's not a full movie. So you kind of like, eh, for now, I'll just say this happens. Sure. And I'll get a better idea at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there until you can think of something better. They never thought of anything better. Mm. Like, like you've seen the trailer, right? You were sold when you saw the teaser and like, maybe you saw one other one, right? Sure, sure, sure. But you know, the concept like, Oh, it's a slightly comedic, like toxic relationship, workplace, almost comedy about Renfield and, and Dracula. If I told you that half of the movie was also about like a crime family that Aquafina is trying to take down and Renfield kind of hangs out with her. Does that track? I mean, in a, dis- in a in like disappointing a kind of movie. way. Yeah. Yeah. It really, like, I, I, I almost wonder if they didn't realize what they had with the with the Nicolas Cage part. And I guess maybe if you made an entire movie, it might the joke might get old. Well, I also but wonder he's... if, like, like as exciting as the casting of Dracula, uh, Nicolas Cage is on paper, the practical element of the production may simply be that they couldn't afford to have him the entire time, so they had to, you know, fill in the rest of the time. Sure, and he's not like he's not off screen that often. He's in plenty of the movie, but there are there are definitely maybe more scenes than you would expect where there's just like like do you forget that this is a movie about Dracula and Renfield? Um, they, they, you know some of the stuff is interesting with um, Renfield how he has powers and then what he's trying to do with his life, but but every time he gets sidetracked into this other story. I was like, oh, we're so far from where I want you to be. And maybe it's just me because the reviews are solid so far. But I think the ones who don't like the movie are very. Uh, oh, no, the <laughs> the meter has dropped. It was like 70 something when I published last night mm-hmm. or two nights ago. Depending on how you're listening. It's 61 as we're recording. So it might be uh. rotten by the time the movie actually comes out. So I think. I think more people have noticed that part. But well, what I've heard consistently is pretty much along what you're saying, which is that the stuff with Cage and with Holt totally works, and then the other stuff is kind of a mixed bag at best. Yes. So I'll, I'll be curious how much you kind of get into that. But yeah, everything else is very limp. 
Sure. I mean, and, and listen, I've got tempered expectations. I'd like I I was never going to not see it for Cage's Dracula alone. Yeah. But um you know, I'm not going in expecting anything great beyond that. So, anything that's above would average ne- would be pleasantly surprising. Sure. We would never get it, but like this is a movie that should be a TV series. Mm. In the sense of you if you had like a third of every episode be Cage, you know, doing like Oh, you can make even maybe more of a joke of him because he's whatever. We don't have to like get into the plot stuff because you'll you'll see it. And then we'll, next week we'll be able to talk more about like what's actually going on. Sure. In the uh, in the early parts of the movie with Dracula and Renfield. But you could have the more or less the plot of this movie stretched out over a season Dracula wise. And you could kind of just, like check in on him every every episode or so. And it would be a hoot. It would be a riot to watch him just like, because he's, he's so much fun. And then if it was, you know, six episodes, eight episodes, 10, 12, whatever the hell it was, you wouldn't necessarily have to have this like B slash C plot. You could still have Renfield go into the meetings every episode. And it could be almost more of like a, like a problem of the week. You're like, oh, I got to procure this. Oh, I gotta like I know I'm trying to think of what show it reminds me of in that sense. But you know, like like a good a good recent show. Well like a what we do in the, the shadows like, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there's a there's a continuous story throughout the season, but most of it is like, oh, here's the shit we gotta do this week, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not super important what we're up to, but it move it, it barely moves the plot along, but then we'll we'll you know It's we'll, a it's we'll a framework it for gear. jokes. Exactly. So I wanted a little more but it's it's not bad. It's just it's so close. It's the only reason I couldn't like recommend this because it's so close. Like if it was a little shittier, I almost feel like I'll be like, yeah, well, okay, fine. Well, isn't that like, always the way though? I always find that like a movie that's close to being great but isn't is more disappointing than a movie that's just bad. Because if it's just bad, yeah. you can dismiss it and you don't ever have to think about it again. If it was almost great but didn't quite get there, that like really like sticks in your craw in a different way. Yep, almost any other plot, and and maybe just I, I, honestly, you'll tell me when you see it. But I don't even think you need the Aquafina character. She's miscast. She doesn't really have a anything to do. Like she's not being especially funny, and and I'm hit or miss on her. Like when she's being like broadly comedic. I mean, she's been good in, in drama. We saw the farewell, mm-hmm. but like, and she's been good in other comedies. But it's such a low key. Like I, I don't know. Like it, it's it's. She's not a rookie cop, but it's played that way of like a like gets no respect, no one believes in her type thing. And sure, like no one believes in Renfield too, but like there's there's a better way. There's a better way. Sure. So we'll talk more about it next week. Um, quickly, have you seen any of the new season of Ted Lasso? I haven't seen the last season of Ted Lasso. Oh, you're so far behind. I, we we had this uh, conversation last week. It's like number fifty on my list of shows to get to. Which is funny because I know you had seen the first season before I'd seen any. Yeah. Because we had that uh, that conversation maybe off air. Um, but I definitely probably brought up that at one point about the, the Ted Lasso porn parody. And like, please don't ruin one of the most pure things on television. Yeah, it's very wholesome. Don't do that. Yes. I, I last night watched the first two episodes of the season. I've been, I hadn't done it yet just because, spoiler, there'll be some interviews coming up on the site when Emmy season kicks in. God damn, the show is good. Like, it's, up, it's not like upsetting, but you're just like, I... I can't possibly just watch. I think I had five or six available to me. Like I can just spend the next. I guess I'm going to spend the next six hours watching this because I don't want to stop. So good. Um, whereas Redfield, 
so frustrating. Uh, before we get to the other thing, let's uh, let's take a question. Vinny, Vinny Thornburg on Facebook. That's right. You can ask us questions on Facebook too. <gasps> Says, I mean, listen, we post we post it there. We've gotten questions from Facebook, from Twitter, from Instagram. So we pull from everywhere, and then and everyone's a blue moon on the site. So, I mean, listen, tell ask us. We don't care. However, you get it. Vinny Thornburg. Thank you, Vinny, says, take away one category and add one category that could feasibly happen in the next two years. Hard mode. No casting slash stunts. Oh, that is hard mode. Oscar related. Well, um, oh, no, but I've still got one. I'm well, we can also, oh. did we, well, I was about to say, did we cheat and be like, well, they already took away sound uh, mixing? Oh, no, I was going to say ensemble. I, I Ensemble is the easiest one. I, the one thing I can't get around with uh with ensemble is who gets who who gets it like where's the cutoff i mean yeah like that, is it that's... just the casting director but that's uh, well, not really no, what I... ensemble is that's casting yeah if it's ensemble to i guess i mean I... it would be a case-by-case basis because some it's like okay you've got like four or five actors who are doing the work and everyone else is kind of there or sure you've got, but you've got um, others where like there's like 20 speaking roles that are all pretty relevant. So yeah, well, presumably let's, let's I mean, play SAG, this out I mean, SAG fucking figures it out every year. So yeah, but SAG SAG is, is not an Oscar. You know what I mean? No, sure. In that sense. Um, so let me, let me put it this way. I guess let's say the, let's say that category exists. I assume everything everywhere just wins it, right? I would have to. Cause it was yeah. winning everything. And it won three of the four actings that does that mean that Michelle Yeoh has two, Jamie Lee Curtis, they all have two, but then, how, wait, how far do you do you go down? Like, is Jenny Slate an Oscar winner now? Well, no, that is a very good question. Or like the um, the actress who played uh, the girlfriend, or yeah, like yeah, where does, where is the cutoff? Harry Shum Jr. Like he's got prominent billing, but he's in it for like five minutes. Um, does Randy Newman have an Oscar for playing the raccoon? Yeah, exactly. No, like, I, 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 I I hear what you're saying. I. And then that becomes I, it was a problem. Me, it was really just my default because he took away stunts and cast. Well, stunts was the sure, one sure, I was sure. Say. <laughs> It, it, uh, the, the like, uh, yeah, I, I like, I think an ensemble prize would be interesting. I think one of the problems is I think it'll just go to the best picture winner. We, a lot of these, like, presumed, we're going to add an above the line category. Yeah. I think you kind of are just giving whatever wins picture or most of the acting prizes another Oscar. And also, you know, it wasn't, it's not a huge issue with everything everywhere, right? Because we're talking more about, like, Oh, there's a couple of uh, of category of couple people who like eh, we can all agree like they don't necessarily need to a one for this right right but then there'll be other films like with SAG where you're cutting off people who like clearly deserve to a one you know like at one point like um let's say let's say Fableman's one for it right where's the cutoff do you just go the family does that mean that Rogan doesn't have an Oscar? Like well, when you argue no, he's Rogan would make the cutoff. He's cut very off. important. Judd Hirsch would but, make you know, the cutoff. Like sure, but um, maybe like, like the, some the, of the high school kids wouldn't. Sure, or like or or um, does Lynch get one? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, well and then it does one get, scene, but he's way more. Well, and then it, the it goes kids. into a question of like, are people getting in less because of the size of their role and more because they're a well-known figure? Otherwise. Like, exactly. Like Lynch feels like a bigger part of the film than he is because of who he is. Um, yes. Whereas if, if Johnny Rando was playing that role, it would still be a memorable scene. But it would, you'd think of it in the same way that you think of like the bully in the in the hallway scene. Sure. Yeah. So it, it's 
I I'm cool with it. But that but is. But there's a, a lot of logistics to figure has. out. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it can still be your answer. There's no problem there. Um, what are we dropping? What are you dropping at least? Um. I don't know. Documentary short. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, and that, I, that, I, not honestly, for any good reason, just because, like, out of all the categories, it's the one that I will likely play, pay the absolute least attention to. Sure. I'm going to pick live action short, just because... <gasps> but that's one I could possibly win one day. <laughs> sure. Or you can make an animated short, the one people actually watch. Mm. Mm. Especially if it's at Pixar. Well, not necessarily. So Pixar. Fucking Martin McDonough won his Oscar for a live action sure. short. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, it's if you look at who wins those or who's nominated every so often, you're like, oh, or, shit, uh, that's why they're a nominee. Or fucking Peter Capaldi won one, I think, or is at least nominated. Yeah. There, if you go through the list and like maybe we'll do this um, next Oscar season or if someone asks specifically, like the list of shorts um, filmmaker nominations, sometimes you're like, oh, delightful. Well, I think it, Though it is kind of weird that just- like, McDonough has one. Well, um, uh, Riz Ahmed. like, like uh, I was just about to say, not this year, but the last year, Riz Ahmed won. So there, I think that's an important one. Sure. I, I was just thinking of like. But what's expensive? Document. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, the shorts are the way to go, but it's not. Um, It's still silly. And then you're screwing someone no matter what. Actually, you know, since we're here and we haven't really had a digression yet. Let's look at this for a second and let's see who's. Um, so we got Riz Ahmed has an Oscar because of this, right? Mm hmm. Um, Alfonso Cuaron nominated this past year, so he has another nomination. Um, let's see who else recently has got him. I mean, some of these people, so like Marshall Curry is a documentarian. Sure. Makes a live action short, gets an Oscar. Um, let's see. Um, Guy Nativ with the like skin short that nobody really liked. Then got to make the live action one. So, like, he's going to probably be a bigger name because of that. So, at some point, you'll notice that. Um, let's see. Who was the last one since then? I know we're going to get to uh, to uh, Martin McDonough in a moment. But, yeah, they, they, didn't, they had a run of not. Terry George has an Oscar for that. There you go. Um, I mean, he hasn't really done a ton more. But there was that moment with... Um, the hell was that movie? Well, he wrote Hotel Rwanda, right? He directed Hotel Rwanda. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the other one? Uh, Reservation Road, which didn't yep. quite pan out. That that was the one where everybody thought that was that was one of the year in advance. Like, it might oh, I remember. Win. I very fondly remember. Yep. And then I remember watching and being like, oh, no. This is, like, fine at best. Like, they're good. The acting is good. But no one's winning for this. Right. Boy. Like, like I remember, I think... I definitely had. I think a lot of people were like, up, oh, Mark Ruffalo, we got him. He's in. Yeah, I, th- I think so there was a lot of. I remember because that was, I think, one of the first years I was really uh, covering it back in award circuit. 2011, yeah. 2011, yeah, that tracks. Or no, I, actually, I was probably already a few years in by then. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, that might have been like you were assigned that or something like that at one well, point or, or something I think, or other. I think it was maybe like like Ruffalo was Clayton's year in advance prediction or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And then, you know, it came out and it was just kind of not bad, but not really anything. Exactly. Um, 2005, Martin McDonough wins. So he's an Oscar winner. That's actually the same year where, do you ever see Cashback? That British, like, it's kind of a comedy. No. That there was a short, 
um, that was nominated. They they made the live action the the full length one out of it. I remember it being notable because there was like some like dream scene where someone's walking around naked in a um, supermarket. It's a cute movie. It's nothing like special, but you're like oh, getting nominated gets your film produced. The year before that, Andrea Arnold wins that this category. There you go. Well, nominated Nacho Vigalondo is an Oscar nominee. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, some of his movies less awesome, but. What is it? Time Crimes is probably the one you're in there, right? Oh, yeah. Why don't I like um, what's Colossal? I love Colossal. It's all right. Now, did you ever see Open Windows? No, I, I remember the oh. trailer. It, it was, you know, it was trying to do what Searching did before Searching did it better. Yeah, you should watch. Uh, you should watch Open Windows one day. Um, also that year, Taika Waititi nominated. There you go. Uh, the year before Aaron Schneider who um, did Get Low, and um, most recently Greyhound. Also, um, that year didn't win, but was nominated, uh, Billy Zadka. Huh. Yeah, is an Oscar nominee. <laughs> and pre-Cobra Kai, too. Yeah. Uh, Lexi Alexander, the year before that, is an Oscar nominee. That's fucking wild. Would that have been in time Which to I... put that on the poster for Punisher Warzone? <laughs> 2002, let's look. Probably not. 2002? That would have been after that. Yeah, that's her short. What, oh, let's look. Hang on. Did she get like that into director jail? No, 2002. She made Green Street Hooligans in 2005. Punisher Warzone was 2008. Yeah, so they could have said. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a Green Street Hooligans 2. Yeah, but I don't think she's involved in it. No, she got a character and executive producer credit. And there's a three. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, whatever. The point is, it is it is definitely a category that uh, has value, but none of you none of you watch the movies, unfortunately. Oh, if we're going back more, the dude who directed Twenty Eight Weeks Later nominated Juan Car- Carlos uh, Fresnadillo, oh. David Frankel, David Frankel of um, Marley and Me and uh, Devil Wears Prada, Hope Springs, Christine Lottie won an Oscar. The actress. Uh, Griffin Dunn, nominated. Oh. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is an Oscar nominee for this. Uh-huh. Sean Astin. Joe Beth Williams. Um, Peter Capaldi, as you said. Peter Weller. Oh, really? Yeah, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, we don't have to get into the 80s, I think. But yeah, you, you made a, you make you make your point. Um, well, I think you made my point for me, but thank you. That's true. Um, categories of what I would add. I would add um, maybe like adapted song. Or maybe bring back the um, musical category that can be uh, triggered by there being enough musicals. I think you can do something with another another song related category. You know, they used to have two score categories. You could you could do something with that. Not necessarily soundtrack, but there should be a way to have a category for like the not it's not the best example, but like the Elvises of the world last year. Sure. Whereas they're not going to be or like blinded by the light the year that came out or or whenever um, we get a uh, a John Carney movie like they, they seem of a, they're not. They're not necessarily meant for original song in that same way. Original song is the best of its own, but I think I think that could work. It's a good question, though. 
It's a very good question, actually. Yes, thank you. And uh, while we're there, we have uh, – well, actually, before we get to the other – actually, let's do um, Cave Flea's question because it's about music. Cave Flea 208, since you talked about music in films last week, what would your Mount Rushmore of needle drops in film be? Mount Needlemore. Oh, boy. Also, what Mario game would you like to see as the sequel to Super Mario Brothers? I think we kind of mentioned that already. He says, I think Super Smash Brothers would be cool if he did it in the vein of Bloodsport. <laughs> I mean, don't get your hopes up, but yeah, I'd also like to see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think Don, I think Donkey Kong Country actually was I, uh, Donkey Kong yeah. Country. I think a Luigi's Mansion Yoshi's is definitely Island. possible. Yoshi's oh, yeah. Island. Um, I got a little disappointed. I thought they were going to do Luigi's Mansion, and then they just didn't have another scene. Yeah, but I think they they laid the groundwork and potentially to get more into that in a spinoff. Um, to- I kind of want him to like clean a hotel. Yeah, that would be fun. Well, that's what the third game is. Well, and they're clearly yeah. not like adapting into indiv- like, I don't think it's going to be so much. We get a Mario Sunshine, a Mario Galaxy. It's more like we get the Super Mario Brothers movie, too, and it has elements from whatever they decide to pull from. Yes, um, for sure. In very much the same way that the MCU adapts comic story ideas kind of willy nilly and often changes or adapts things to fit their universe. I'm sure we'll see that here. Um but yeah, as far as a standalone, we're getting Yoshi. I think it's we we could very reasonably get like Wario and Waluigi, maybe, or you could introduce Daisy. Probably too early for Rosalina, but it depends. But yeah, Smash Brothers, I think they will build two, but probably not for a while. And I how do you feel about Bowsette? Bowsette, uh, eventually, but too early. The porn parody will get there first. What if it, if it has Bowsette will be in the movie this year? Yeah, um, Needle Drops. Um, so the one that always comes to mind, um, and honestly, it's kind of a blanket statement for the whole movie, but I, if I have to just do one to sort of stand in, uh, it's hooked on a feeling from the first guardians of the galaxy. Uh, potentially could be on the list. I'll throw out, uh, the sound of silence from the graduate. Ooh, that's a good one. That'll get my vote. Um, I'll throw in, uh, say anything in your eyes. Peter Gabriel song, Boombox. Sure, famous, iconic. Um, how about the Hello Dolly song from uh, Wally? Quite possible. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Oh, like there's movies where it's not going to make the list, but like I have you seen American Honey? No. So American Honey is a very long movie and like you know pretty indie, but has some really good needle drops. They have that Rihanna song that's in the Magic Mike movie. You know, we found love like, yeah. in a hopeless place or whatever. Really, really good. And there, they also have a spring scene drop there. Uh, what else? Uh, Amaz- I guess Apocalypse Now. Right? Apocalypse right? This Now. Is the yeah. end. Well, this is the end Gar- and Ride of the Valkyries. Yeah. Oh, you know what? The end of Lost in Translation with Just Like Honey. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Lost in Translation? Nope. 29 Days of Love. Yep. It was on the short list. It didn't quite make the cut. That's definitely got to be on there next time. Um, um, I think. Squ- uh, oh. Well, How about Scorsese- Pulp Fiction with the with dance scene? Uh, you it's mean, not quite the, you a mean, needle drop, but you mean the dance I did at my wedding? Um, yeah, I know, I was there. That that was a good one. I mean, any of the I I honestly like the Miserloo drop at the beginning a little bit more, just because of the sure. way like uh, Amanda Plummer's dialogue kind of flows into it. Um, yeah, I mean, the more we can think of like an actual needle drop is always better. We're, we're, we're kind of stretching already, but... Oh, totally. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we're talking about literal needle drops that's going to narrow it down a little bit. Um, well, the well, uh, Heroes from Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, that's not bad. 
even though like I, it's not gonna make the list but like that's more of a needle drop like it, yeah. it comes in well and i'm um, i'm thinking uh american psycho has a lot of really good ones sure i, I like him walking um, through his office to walking on sunshine stuff like that sure goodfellas has a bunch of them yep uh atlantis oh, wait, really we have good a, one in goodfellas well yeah. honestly oh wait bl- like i feel like a spot can just go to scorsese's use of gimme shelter which is in at least like yes. five to ten of his movies which I just uh, I just watched from start to finish for the first time since whenever I saw it first. Casino. Oh, and Casino is good. It's definitely Diet Goodfellas. Yeah, Goodfellas is better. And I and as someone who thinks Goodfellas is very good, but like not quite like the perfect movie everyone else thinks it is, I watched Casino being like, "This is all fine. This is good." Every time they get into, like, the history or, like, the asides, I love an aside. Well, that's the best stuff in the movie. I think the core conflict in that movie isn't as interesting as some of his other ones. It's also, like, kind of muddled. Like, the reasons never really are are particularly, like, interesting or well-developed. Like, I never... Well, and the characters aren't as well-developed either. Yeah, they're they're also light versions of the other. They're, They're kind of just playing, like... A different multiverse version of who they played in Goodfellas. Well, I think that's the one more like if it had just been Goodfellas and then like he came back for The Departed. I think Casino is the one that kind of established like Scorsese as the mob guy, like to the point of parody. Like, I feel like those yes. two kind of get mushed together whenever anyone's doing a Scorsese parody. Sure. Though, though, Robert Richardson's cinematography, phenomenal in that movie. That camera floats everywhere in that casino. It's great. Oh, yeah. The stuff with catching the guys cheating terrific that scene as as like it builds because you know they're gonna get him and uh you know with the the hammer is now very classic though everyone forgets when they bring the other guy in you can have the money or you can have the uh, your hand like what do you want you walk out of here or i'll give you the money but you get the same thing if that's a really good scene i don't fully get the sharon stone of it all like she was the only nomination for that film and yeah she's, good, she's she's, she's but, not a high point i don't think no, I think watching it now, when you've also seen Sharon Stone do other interesting work, maybe this was like the first time she got. This I, I kind think of I role. think it was kind of a breakout thing for her, like to be in such a prestige film such as it is. Yeah, and and yeah, so like good film, but also yeah has has as the needle drops that Scorsese is known for. But boy, is it an indulgent movie. Um, High Fidelity actually has one at the very end of the movie that you'll notice when you watch it. I think say anything and uh, and graduate have to be on the list. Agreed. Oh wait, Tiny Dancer, almost famous. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, so you have to pick the fourth one because I'm going to keep uh, adding. Well, so you want to have Guardians? Yeah, I'll do the Guardians one. All right. Oh wait, I found another one. But you, we, we'll we'll just add honor, honorable mentions. Uh, Wise up, Magnolia. <sighs> that is a good one. I do like that one a lot. Um, I'm trying to also pick movies I like. Um, because there's ones that I'm like, eh. I mean, Hero shows up in Perks of Being a Wallflower as well. Oh, I'll tell you a great one. Um, Shaun of the Dead, uh, the Queen song that comes in while they're beating up the zombie bartender. Sure. That's really good. I got another one for you. That's very timely for you. Eye of the Tiger, Rocky Three. Oh, man. Can can Rocky just have its own, like, honorable mention and, and sort of lump both that and, um whatever the original song is together. Sure. Sure. If you're, if you're including like not scores, but comp compositions, um, the Mozart song that Andy plays in Shawshank. Sure. 
it's not quite a needle drop, but what a what a musical like starting them in a movie that doesn't have a ton of music. Or um, the there's the classical piece I forget the name of it that uh, pops up twice and there will be blood and I think is used in a very sure. effective way. Risky business, all time rock and roll. Sure. Uh, I mean Thor Ragnarok, immigrant song. Yeah, Guardian, Guardians I, is I better found for that. Guardians is better. Yeah, sure. All right. I mean, I think we gave more than enough examples. Yeah. So, so pick your favorites uh, from there. <laughs> pick your poison. Matthew Anderson. What are some classic films pre two thousand that mean something to you personally or professionally, and would like to recommend for your listeners to watch? It's pre two thousand. Is the only response besides they have to mean something to you. So, uh, you want to do like three or four? Ha, do your do your mount about uh, mean something more? Mount means something pre eighties. Um, no, pre two thousand or pre two thousand? Yeah. Um, I mean that's before. pretty. Thanks, Matt. But that's is that is a very broad range. Um, the, but okay, but that has a personal meaning that does narrow it. Yes. Um, do you have any offhand? Because I am thinking. I mean, my my top three movies of all time are all pre two thousand, so I can do that. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, if we're going it that way. Then it's pretty easy. But I almost feel yeah. like that's easy, or uh, that's too obvious. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you, so I'll, I'll give you my three right there, and they can kind of be like one spot. My top three of all time. I'll I'll do it that way. Go ahead. So that would be the Shawshank Redemption, Chasing Amy, Pulp Fiction. Shawshank, favorite movie of all time. Just blown away. Perfect movie to me. Chasing Amy, I think it might be my first Kevin Smith movie, first or second, but also one of the first times I remember watching a romantic comedy or a love story where the guy doesn't get the girl at the end. Spoiler Mm. alert for a movie from 1997. Uh, Pulp Fiction, nobody had seen that movie before. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's that way. I mean, it feels cliche, but like Star Wars. Yeah. You know, I think... I think for but I but nobody needs you to recommend Star Wars to exactly. Them. So if we're going with the recommend recommendations, I'm going to move on from those. But like I, that's everyone's favorite movie. For well, I was about to say like Pulp Fiction like definitely would make my three if that's just how we're doing it. Um, sure. If we wanted if we want to recommend ones that we think is possible that people haven't seen, let's do it that way. Let's go with like hypothetically. Like stuff that's not as sort of well-worn. To, like, for example, my so my favorite film before the 2000s would be Dog Day Afternoon, which is like sure. people know it, but I don't know that it's as seen as something even like The Godfather. Um, and that to me is like it's the platonic ideal of like a perfect balance of drama and comedy because you get high stakes, you get a really intense situation and it gets really dark towards the end, but it's also absolutely hilarious and ridiculous throughout. And so much of that is buoyed by Al Pacino's like, I still think it's his best performance. Very transgressive for the time. Very. Yeah. And you know, doesn't get everything right, but it's, it's, it's got its heart in the right place. It is not intending to make fun of that. No, it is intending for you to be sympathetic to that in a way that I don't know of any other movie that was doing at the time. And, you know, for whatever is going into it, Chris Sarandon is given a very good performance. Um, sure, everyone's like in is good. The the late great John Cazale, like some great yeah. work. Um, young Lance Henriksen shows up briefly. Like there, there's there's so much good stuff. So that's that's one that I would really uh, put out there. Pulp Fiction, like you said, is an obvious one. Um, 
I mean, I mean, yeah, like nobody needs to be recommended like The Matrix, for example, or Jurassic Park or Terminator 2 or even Galaxy Quest. I mean, Galaxy Quest. Okay, so I'll throw out Galaxy Quest. It barely makes the cutoff. But that I think is one that like people are kind of like, like, oh, yeah, no, I remember that being good. Like if it's been a while, it's really worth like it's my favorite comedy of all time. I think it's it's one of the very rare because I have a problem with comedies where like anytime I try and watch them a second time, if I know the jokes, it just doesn't land anymore. Yeah, I get that. Um, Galaxy Quest, I've rewatched so goddamn many times and every single time I crack up and that's not for nothing. And I think so much of that is it's got such a great ensemble, including quite a few people who like nobody could have known how big they would end up getting like sam rockwell is like fifth build and like the yeah, joke is justin that he long. he was an extra justin long exactly um it, it's oh my god it's one of those things where it's like it is a star trek parody but you don't have to know a thing about star trek to get it and to appreciate it and to see what they're doing like it totally works on its own sort of rules and situations um, very very true so that's a great uh, one um I mean, yeah, if you go further back, like Psycho would be up there for me, but like nobody, everybody knows Psycho. Okay, so So here's a less less talked about maybe uh, Hitchcock is Notorious. That's a really good one that like it's further back enough that people don't necessarily hold it up with like some of the classics like Vertigo or Rear Window or what have you. But I think it's a really great one. I think it's got one of Ingrid Bergman's best performances. Cary Grant is great. Claude Rains, always a pleasure. Um, it's got a really like sharp script, some amazing um, sequences, like uh, an incredible like sort of sequence where a key makes its way throughout the house and just this journey yes, yes. that it goes on. So that's a really solid like sort of wartime noir if you're looking for yep. something like that. Um, quickly, I'll give you mine. I'll say uh, The Battle of Algiers, mm. one of the best war movies ever made. Also very timely if you watched it at all during like the Iraq-Afghanistan situation. Very similar, like, methodology to what was going on, occupiers and such. Uh, really, really, like, propulsive movie. Yes, it's French. Does not matter. You will, there. I know we have the, like, subtitle issue sometimes. You won't have a problem there. I will also throw out, to that degree, um, uh, Les Samurai from 67. Oh, very good one. Oh, that movie is maybe the coolest movie ever made. Uh, and just awesome. No, I, uh, I I need to revisit it. I saw it in college, and I remember really liking it, but it's been so long. Um, sure. Uh, along those same lines, uh, throw out some Kurosawa, um, Seven Samurai is the obvious one, but Rashomon. Rashomon yes. was one that I remember really kind of blew me away in film school of just like, oh, it's not just all the things film can be. It's people f- pushing all the things film can be even yeah. back then. And it's, I, th- I mean, it's a little rapey, which is unfortunate, but that's just kind yeah. of what that story is. Um, yeah. but it's, it's got a lot of cool structure to it. I think I mentioned this when senior was out last year, but American movie is my all time favorite documentary. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, I like, well, I don't want to even say more about it. Just it's a, it's amazing. You'll be thrilled. Um, the one that I think is my big one I want to mention is real genius. <laughs> one of my favorite comedies and it's so good and people don't, don't think about it. And if you want to think that Val Kilmer is the funniest actor in the world and most people don't think that watch this movie he is a riot it is one of the all-time comedic turns for me right on right on yeah and, uh, I'll, and I'll throw out one more just my mom's favorite movie was yours mine and ours from 68 and okay. if you want to watch Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda just be like delightful I get a kick out of that movie 
So those would be the ones I would uh, I would throw out there. Yeah, no, those are all great. All right. One more thing to do before we wrap up, and I'll keep it short because the review's on the site, and we're going to have a longer conversation in two weeks. But uh, Bo is afraid. Joey is confused. Joey is angry. Joey hated this movie. <laughs> God, I hate it. Bo is afraid. It's like in a way that only a movie taking this big a swing can be hated. Like, you know, here, my 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 other like real low movies for this year are um, Master Gardener, which I saw at NYFF last year, and I just not good. And Children of the Corn, which, uh, but like, can you really get like your dander up to hate Children of the Corn, a movie that sat on the shelf for three years and you knew was going to be terrible? Well, right, exactly. Or like, you know, like if someone's like, oh, Shotgun Wedding was awful, like, okay, like what, what, I don't know what you really want out of it. Or even like, uh, I know some people really didn't like you people on Netflix. I thought it was whatever. But those are not movies like that are doing a thing. I think only a movie like this that is like almost daring you to like it can can you get the like well dare accept it and boy did you lose because I hated every second of this movie um, and it's not to say like there's not interesting things going on it's full of fucking ideas but ugh I I I can't think of the last time I enjoyed a theatrical experience less in a movie wow. I didn't like because there are times like. You know, I, I, I had food poisoning watching The Big Short and like the movie I liked. But boy, did I have a shitty time watching that movie because I was just like curled up and like like a you trying to watch that movie without wanting to like die. But the movie doing that to you. Oh, God. Like, I, I, I think I would have a better time seeing the Arachnophobia remake, <laughs> which I also will not be seeing. Even though it's uh, Christopher no, Landon? I, even though. I, I mean, unless unless by arachnophobia it means uh, fear of any other animal. Well, listen, we're gonna have that same problem with that movie. Was it Sting? In a year or so, that like sounds cool, but I sure as shit ain't watching it. Can't can't help you. Which also, on top of the things I hate about Bowie's Afraid, there's a spider. Oh, like prominent in one scene. Okay, how like, how do you know? Remember roughly around when? Because I gotta cover Kelly's eyes for that one. Oh, you'll know when. It's not like a surprise spider. Okay. It's 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 early on. It's a first act spider. Okay. Okay. And it's it's like one of those. It, like so much of the movie is about dread, and it just has that dread of like without saying anything about the movie plot wise because you will be seeing it. But like, there's a sign in his like you, you saw the trailer like the shitty yeah. like little apartment and like the hellscape he lives in. Yeah, yeah. When he first goes in, there's also like a manager sign on the doorway where it'd be like, oh, there's no heat. It's like, oh, brown recluse spider on the loose. Don't, you know, don't let it bite you. So you sure as shit know what's going to happen in this movie, right? Right. So it's just like, oh, no, I got to wait for that to happen, too. So she'll know. She will not be shocked when, when, it, when it pops up. Except me. Well, I'll tell you about it after. There's maybe one thing. But no, it's just like so much of this movie is just like I would say it's like, like Job-esque, except I don't know. The movie hates its character. I am convinced it hates Bo. And I'm curious if you agree or not when you see it, but I don't need to spend two hours and 59 minutes watching a filmmaker work out his issues through just torturing a character that he doesn't like. Like, what's the payoff? That is my biggest question with this movie. 
and I and I task you with telling me what's the payoff. All right. Well, challenge accepted. Let me ask you this, well, because I it's yeah. been a while since I've seen you get this fired up about something. And the last thing I can remember you hating this much uh, would be Roe v. Wade, which I'm <laughs> sure you probably hated for different reasons. So Wait, now, that movie's evil. So now what I ask you, which is worse? Well, Roe v. Wade will always be evil because I will blame it for being indirectly responsible for our current situation. Um, no, uh, Bo is Afraid is the the classic, like, director can make anything he wants and he just he jizzed everything he's ever thought about onto the screen for three hours. And I choose that instead of vomit for reasons you will understand when watching. Uh, it, it's it's a big swing. Like, I don't even know that I was bored necessarily, but I had a deeply unpleasant time. Sure. Well, it's that, one of those movies that, where nothing, nothing positive happens for three yeah. hours. Well, that to me sounds like the experience I have watching David Lynch movies which is like th- mm-hmm. there might be a lot under the surface here and a lot of like deep texture and like all this sort of stuff that you could dig into. But I don't care about any of that because it's such a viscerally miserable experience to watch. There is a 40% chance that Ari Aster is your new David Lynch after this movie. I mean, one movie won't make me start hating Hereditary no. Midsommar. No, no, no. But you might you might dislike this movie as much as you dislike like Eraserhead. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's got the potential. You might love it. No, based on what I've heard, there's not going to be any middle ground. I'll either absolutely love it and defend it to the death or I'll think it's dog shit. That's probably true. I don't foresee a world in which Kelly likes it, but I I can't wait to she might have to come on in two weeks to talk about it. We'll see if she has any hot takes. Oh, it may, might not be like hot takes, but I think there's there's a couple of things in the movie that just it's mere existence in a film. Like she like you've exposed her to some interesting stuff, but from what I've gathered, her taste runs a little more mainstream than us. I would say so overall. So like there like there's movies you've seen that she hasn't right that if you showed her she'd be like the fuck like there's shit in this movie that I didn't know like you were allowed to put in a movie. Oh totally, there's certain Takashi Miike classics I probably wouldn't expose her to. Sure. So there, there's, there's one thing in this movie. Oh, and I real think quick, I'm, I'm there's overhyping a, it. Oh, real quick, Matt. There's a, there's a another uh, pre two thousands movie, Audition. That one had such sure. a powerful effect on me. I, I agreed. I yeah, it it set the stage for some stuff that would then abuse the horror genre. But I think what it's doing is phenomenal. For for eight the in the in the realm of Asian horror, it might be the best of all time. Oh yeah, I know it's a big it's a big it's a big it's a big thing because you know you have your you have a lot of different types of that. You know, you have the Korean um, horror reference. You have more of the ghost stuff. Like A Tale of Two Sisters is also phenomenal. Yeah. Um, there's so, yeah, I might I might put it as number one. So, yeah, let's table Bowie's Afraid until you see it. Because, boy, do I want to talk more about it when we can talk a little bit more like that. And then, I mean, listen, I, unless it makes a bunch of money, I'm going to say we can be spoilerish in two weeks. Cause oh, yeah. Well, I mean, those who this, this is not... I'm as we were talking about before the show. I have no doubt that A twenty four has already done the math and is bracing themselves for this to flop. One would one would think, but we will see. So, um, because we're kind of in in we we kept it short ish. We'll we'll wrap up now. Also, I got the like your memory is low on my computer, so we don't want to not have this. So I want to end by uh, by doing a close up shop on video game stuff. Um. 
we were talking about Resident Evil 4 a little bit last week, and also Miles' favorite game. He hasn't played it yet. He was saying a little bit about playing Resident Evil Village, which we both only had a brief kind of time with. Say where you can be followed, and give me like a give me a remake that you'd want to see, like a like a ground up, you know, old game plays like brand new. Okay, sure. Uh, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M Y L E S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. And um, I'll tell you one that I would absolutely die for a remake of, even though I don't think it's ever going to happen, uh, is uh, it was for the GameCube. It's called Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. Mm. Um, it's it's this. Did this make your list when we did the video game episode? Yeah, it's in like my top three games of all time. Yeah. Um, it's it's it's, you know, we're talking about games that are deeper cuts. Um, it's a survival horror thing. It's more like puzzle oriented than scares necessarily. But, it uh, you know, it messes with your sanity and it has all these effects. But I love the scope of it because it's like 12 like characters that you play a, as over the course of a cent- of centuries and like eat and like you're often going back to the same areas, but like decades later and it's changed or like, you know, what was once a church is now a hospital during the First World War and stuff like that and the whole time there's this big cthulhu-esque sort of mythology happening um but it is also limited by the gamecube's hardware so i've always thought like if they gave it like the proper because functionally in terms of the gameplay even though it's not as combat oriented it it's comes from the same cloth as as like a resident evil or a silent hill and those have both been getting remake treatments so i think this would be one that absolutely uh would work that way but I know the rights to it have been tied up in Nintendo for years, and there's probably a good chance that nothing will ever happen with it. But that would be my pick. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can find me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Awards Raiders on several things. Follow Steve at Film Snork. Um, some of the things I thought about, like games I really liked, they're, they're not really going to fit. Like I, I like the, was it Quantic Dream people? Mm. Um, like Heavy Rain falls apart narratively, but like what a satisfying game at the beginning of like, I never played a game like this before. They, they've made other games like it and they're working on that like Star Wars game that hopefully will be like that. So I don't necessarily need to pick that. I think I'm going to like kind of cheat and say, I want them to do a Max Payne because they're never going to make four. That story is kind of over. Yeah. But they could do like a ground up one, two, three combination game. Uh, maybe That'd not be interesting. Maybe not three, just because that one is super involved in and of itself. But you could easily lump one and two together. Yeah, one and two could be a a a you know Max Payne the definitive something or other. Yeah, totally. Um, I think I know three was through Rockstar, so I think that one might be a bit more complicated. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you could definitely bring back those first two. Yeah, those those games were great, but I think if you played them now, you you would feel it a little limited by by the time. I think you would. The like the jump kind of thing, the like John Woo esque jump that was big in the slow motion bullet time, I think might get a little played out the way it was designed then. Because I could also be like, oh, Grand Theft Auto three. Well, like if that they played did like that, Grand Theft Auto five, but... <laughs> yeah, but they did a shitty job. Like, a, but there's no reason to have a ground up of that because they're just going to have six. Sure. So those kind of things. That, that's the hard thing. A lot of the games that just get a facelift or, or what you would initially pick. You know, the only thing I can think of is they don't really do it with like Nintendo stuff, but Star Fox 64. Yeah, that would be good. Well, yeah, because we never really got a great Star Fox game after that. Yeah, I, I'm still waiting. Like, how is there not a Star Fox game on Switch? 
No, no, well, because the last one they did for Wii U was crap, and that was after one on the Wii that was crap, and then they like got after they got out of the, like the ship or something, right? Also, there was like running gun stuff on the bo- outside on one of them, yeah. Well, and then before yeah. that, like you had Star Fox Adventures on the GameCube, which was basically just an RPG with dinosaurs. That like, if Fox wasn't the main character, you'd be hard pressed to say what it had to do with it. Yeah, rough. Uh, yeah, there's there's more of that. I'll think of more. We might come back to that now that um, the remake thing is kind of going on. I'm, I'm going to play four, I think, at some point soon. I don't think I'm going to buy it, but I think I'll get a Gamefly to send it over. Sure. They actually, there's there's two games coming out I really want. I don't think I'm going to buy. Again, I don't want to buy because once you're done with them, they're kind of just like sit there. But I do want to play the new Star Wars game. I liked oh, the Outcast or uh, Fallen Order. Yeah, I really like yeah. Fallen Order, too. I'm excited for that. I really hope they don't make you backtrack quite as much as last time. Sure. But. Well, that that to me felt like a much more accessible version of like what the Dark Souls or Bloodborne games yeah. are doing. Yeah, I don't think I could do those. But like this, I could handle. And um, Dead Island 2. I really like Dead Island. Mm. I, I remember it, it being fun. a game where like the trailers were way better than the game. So people kind of shat on it. And then I thought it was better than that. And, and it just kind of fell in the middle somewhere. Yeah, yeah. just like. I would I would play another Dead Rising if that came out. Those were super fun. Like when you just like took a lawnmower to zombies. Sure, I think I remember there the were a few too many sequels there, and they kind of burnt there out. Three. The prim- four. four. Wait, there's a Dead. Oh yeah. And the I think and I think that last mall. one in particular kind of ruined it for everyone. I think I like. I don't know. So Dead Rising is in the mall, right? Yeah. Dead Rising 2 is... I think it's a different mall, but it's also a mall. It's a mall that's, like, collected Casino. to... Like, or connected... I don't know, because it's connected to, like, the weird, like, Thunderdome situation. Yeah, maybe the Casino Town has, like, the Thunderdome thing. But 3? Three, 3 was, like, an exterior thing. I remember you were, like, out on the streets and stuff, so I think it was Yeah, 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 that's the city. one I remember. I remember, I remember that one. And then I, you go into a mall, I think, at one point. Yeah, but it's not like the main hub the way it is. Well, the first two both have a very like connected sort of like hub that like branches off into different areas. Maybe four is also that way, right? Yeah, but Where, like, four, four tries city, to be too over the top and they give you like a mech suit and it's all this like crazy stuff and it just doesn't have that same scrappy feel anymore. I don't remember if I played four. I like the games. They're not great. None of them are great. No, but the concept is good. I, I, I have always felt that if they sort of took it back to basics and refined it, because I remember that first one, a lot of the zombie stuff is fun, but a lot of the actual gameplay well, sucks because it's like escort missions and like terrible AI. And it's also yeah, got a terrible like, save system where if you die, you go back to the, like the beginning of the game. It, it's really yeah, fun. like running over, running over the zombies with your, with your lawnmower. Great. But then there'll be like a weird like sniper thing and you're like, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. how are the humans way more powerful than the zombies? So I could see maybe Dead Dead Rising as another one. But yeah, we'll see. We'll talk more about games soon. For now, um, I mean, maybe see Bo is Afraid. <laughs> Definitely see Air if you haven't. And uh, let us know. Like, I'm fascinated to know what everyone thinks of, of Bo if anyone else uh, sees it. Because... Boy, you're going to not have be able to not have a take about that movie. So stay tuned for a longer conversation about Bo is Afraid. And in the meantime, uh, let us know what you're seeing. Leave us some questions for next week. And, uh, you know, stay safe. And we'll, uh, I guess we'll see you at the movies. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. 
be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>